Welcome to Talk Time with Max Contact, the podcast where we talk about the latest contact center and customer experience, industry news, and insights. Join us as we welcome industry experts, discuss actionable strategies you can apply to your business, and help professionals like you on your path to long-term career progression and success. I'm your host, Sean McIver. Welcome to another episode of Talk Time with Max Contact. I'm Sean McIver, your host. In this episode, I'm talking to Keith Gate, a name you'll likely heard if you've been involved with customer experience in the last few years. He's a chief executive of the Customer Experience Foundation, the community championing success and innovation in the world of the customer experience industry. Across his career, he's worked in customer success strategies within health, transport industry, and even ran his own consulting group for seven and a half years. No surprise that all these years of experience led him to write a book all about Brilliant CX. Keith, welcome to the show. I always like to do a handover to yourself to do a bit of an introduction. How did I do? Thank you. Yeah, that was super and slightly embarrassing and humbling. No, not at all. I think, you know, considering your experience, because I was looking through your experience in advance of this conversation, and I was just like, my goodness, is there anything this guy's not done in the world of CX? The book, the podcast involvement, the community that you've got. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. So I'm going to start off with what on the surface might be a really simple question, but I suspect has hidden depths that we will no doubt plumb. How do you define CX? So I have a very, very simple explanation, and I get asked this quite a lot by people at the pub and all that kind of stuff. And they say, well, what is customer experience and why is that different to customer service? And my very, very simple answer to that is customer service starts when customer experience goes wrong, right? So customer experience is the, the sum of everything that an organization does that impact a customer the product, the brand promise, the service delivery, et cetera, the pricing, et cetera, et cetera. Customer service is the reactive part that an organization takes when something in that chain doesn't go according to plan. And, and that's a fairly simple way of looking at it. So customer experience is the foundation, if you like, that lowest tier is that customer experience. And then the customer service sits on top of that tier as like the next touch point up. Yeah. In the perfect world, there's no customer service because nothing ever goes wrong. You know, most, not all, but most contact that organizations get, it's corrective action because something hasn't happened or hasn't happened according to plan or hasn't happened according to the customer's desires. That's, you know, nearly all failure demand and a lot of, so that's all reactive work that an organization's having to do and price in because there are things not going right in the customer journey, or there are things they can't get right in their customer journey, that means the customer's got to contact. In the perfect world, and I appreciate no one lives in the perfect world, and it's just, well, otherwise we'd all be out of a job, but in the perfect world, nothing goes wrong. That's a really succinct way of defining customer experience. Customer service is what happens when customer experience goes wrong. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess that took quite a lot of experience, industry knowledge, industry work to get to that definition. Can you tell me a little bit more about your background and your, your path to where you are now? Customer experience itself is quite, is a relatively new term. It's really only been around for, for 10 or 12 years. And so, you know, there are people, someone said it to me quite embarrassingly a, a while ago saying, Keith, you were doing CX 20 years before the term was invented. 
So, you know, we used to call it customer service. We used to call it customer service strategy. We used to call it customer contact strategy or channel strategy. And now it's more badged under customer experience. But there's more things to customer experience. And a lot of customer experience is about the design. So you're trying to design a customer experience or you're trying to design out issues with the customer experience. It's also backward looking. So a lot of feedback, the research, the insight is more backward looking. And so there's another way of looking at it, that customer service is a subset of customer experience because it's the reactive recovery bit when anything in that ecosystem has gone wrong. You've got to have that basic outlook of looking at things from the customer's point of view. And that's always something that's come quite naturally to me. It's not something I ever thought about or designed or tried to learn. That's just always been the way that my brain's worked since mid to late 90s is, well, what, how's the customer looking at that? That sort of surprises me, frustrates me that many, many organizations and people within them still don't have that outlook because without looking at things from the customer's point of view, well, why are we here? Because it's the customer that pays the bills. That does surprise and frustrate me a little bit. I completely agree. And I think that I've seen in my own career path, I have seen occasions within business where that focus on, on comprehending and really empathizing with the customer has lost its way. And you end up with kind of frustrated staff and ineffective processes that actually don't do anything but frustrate the customer as well. And everything starts to fall apart at that point. When finances are going a bit haywire or the costs are going a bit haywire or the technology is not, not doing what everyone wants it to do, and you end up with an internal battle, and I've seen it in many organizations that I've worked at, you have internal struggles with finance, with other support areas. And the real harmony here is when all those are working well together and in balance and everyone's got that same focus. But... That's a rare thing in my experience. Okay, let me take this opportunity to kind of interrogate that some more then. So if customer experience is the first victim, if you like, of turbulent systems or finances, how do businesses preserve and protect that and prevent that from happening? What can they do in real terms to achieve that? The problem is most of them don't. That's the problem. Most of them don't. So there's not an organization on earth that would say they're not customer centric, right? Every organization will say we're customer centric and it's very easy to say, but actually there's probably just a few percent that really, really are. And part of that comes down to incentivization and reward and recognition in that the finance department are measured on their KPIs, the technology department are measured on their KPIs, the people, the HR department are measured on their KPIs. And this is also a, a debate that rages among CX circles is who owns the customer. And in most big organizations, it's marketing that own the customer. So you'll see that a lot of organizations, we've seen the rise of the chief customer officer as a role over the last two to three years. And most organizations have got marketing in that role. And that grinds my gears somewhat. And it's not that marketing people don't understand the customer, but they just come at it from a completely other end of the spectrum. And it, it's really about me. They're really focused on the outputs and they're not really involved on the inputs 
because great customer experience doesn't happen by accident. It happens by design, whether that's design of processes, whether that's design of systems, whether that's design of people and culture and supportive environments, whether that's design of pricing, they are all part of marketing, but it needs someone looking at it from a customer experience point of view to actually pull all that together. Just to expand on that a little, if we can. So if you, so if I've understood correctly, you've said that this chief customer officer role is often filled by a marketing type personality in your ideal world. And again, appreciate, you know, we, we don't live in an ideal world, but in your ideal world, what vertical would you draw that role from? You would draw it from the customer experience population. So in, in my world, in an organization that I would run, you would have the customer experience director and the marketing director as peers, not one subservient to the other, because they are both very important, but both equally important. And I wouldn't have one running the other, but that is a function of the customer experience industry and the position that it's got itself into with an awful lot of navel gazing and looking internally. Um, whereas what marketing have done over the, very successfully over the last 20, 30 years is position themselves as key C-suite board level type roles. HR have done that very successfully. CX has completely failed to do that, which is part of what we're trying to do at the foundation is to elevate the role of CX, but still it is seen as a cost, not an investment. What are the lessons learned from the, for want of a better phrase, the ascent of the marketing and the HR side of things that we could look to and learn from through the lens of CX in terms of taking it on that same journey? Certainly professionalization and education is very, very key to that. So that success of marketing and HR hasn't happened by accident. Their leaders, their associations, their bodies have put in robust, thorough, extensive education, accreditation, professionalization programs in place over decades. And CX just hasn't done that. There are still a lot of people in CX. It's customer service. You just got to get it and you just got to accept it. And that doesn't hold water. I've been on the board of four organizations and the finance is absolutely critical because no organization, you could have the best customer service in the world, but if you're, if you're not making any money, it's a waste of time. You're going to fail. You need the CIO, you need the CFO, you need the HR, you need the support services. And the best organizations are the ones that have got that in harmony. So marketing and HR particularly as two have very successfully positioned themselves with professional standards over the last 20, 30 years. And CX is decades behind in that. So one of the things that I guess I would ask off the back of that then is that this lag that we see within the customer experience universe, was that one of the driving factors around setting up the customer experience foundation? And can you tell me about how that came about and what your goals are with the foundation? Yes, it is one of the objectives of the foundation, but there are very many strands to that. And we're not going to change the world in a couple of years. Um, you know, the CXPA American led organization has been around for probably 12 years now, still not particularly well known, still not with a lot of traction. The CCXP exam, um, has been going for five or six years now, still very, very niche, not particularly academically rigorous. 
so that that CX accreditation is not there. We also, as an industry, don't invest in people from the bottom up. You've got IT degrees, you've got event management degrees, you've got marketing degrees. People come out of university with these qualifications. That doesn't happen in customer service world. People just sort of end up in it really because it's something that they like doing or it's a niche that they that they cotton on to. And that comes back to the professionalization of the industry. So this is a 20-year program. So with the foundation, we're a relatively new trade association contact center and customer experience. We're going two years in April this year in April 24. And we're all about being inclusive, embracing, visionary, compassionate, and celebrating success of the industry, but also about bringing people together. So bringing buyers and sellers together, bringing thought leaders together and harnessing that thought leadership and getting it out in a safe environment, bringing a new level to thought leadership, really. So one of the things, one of the drivers of launching the foundation was um, out of frustration about what I saw from organizations that weren't led by CX practitioners. And I thought there has to be a space for a CX organization that is led by CX practitioners that have walked the walk. There has to be a place for that. I want to unpack this a little bit further, if I may, because I've got a couple of questions on this. And one of the things that I'm aware of that you have huge value in is that the front lines generally are the ones who are closest to the customer experience. Your agents who are on the phones are the ones who are closest to the customer experience. Couple that with the argument, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but couple that with the argument that any given business's CX and their objectives will vary from business to business in ways that potentially don't fit into cases or approaches or techniques in the same way that you could argue that HR and marketing do, is the potential future professionalization of CX counter to the value experience that potentially the frontline brings compared to other verticals such as HR and marketing? There's a couple of things there. I mean, first of all, the commercials just don't stack up and I'm not sure that's ever going to change. But also, I think the qualifications that we do have start in the wrong place. So to go into that in a little bit more detail, so I'm CCXP qualified. I'm very proud of my CCXP and there's probably 1500 people in the world that got that, maybe a few hundred in the UK, but it's not particularly academically rigorous, I would say. And I can say that as someone that's got an MBA uh, and I've been through an academically rigorous program. It's, it's a long way from that, but also my problem with it focuses on the how, and really we should be starting with the why and the what. So any organization, whether it's a person in the organization, whether it's a team or the organization itself, depending on its size, that's looking at how it can improve its customer experience or its customer service delivery. Start with why, start with what, and then get into the how. And the CCXP exam is very focused on the how. And that's fine because as practitioners, you need to be focused on you, know, you need to understand all the, all the tools and, and methodologies at your disposal, but I think it starts too far down the line. There's not enough thinking gone into the organizational culture, the organizational DNA, the history of the organization. And my other problem with it is it's something that always got taught on my MBA in the first week of, a, of an MBA is the answer is nearly always it depends. And too often in CX circles, we're very prescriptive. And we say, right, well, this is clearly the right thing to do, or that's the right thing to do. 
And that's a problem with the CCXP exam as well, is it wants the best answer for everything. And actually, if you look at it from an academic point of view or from a business point of view or how a chief exec would look at it, the answer is it depends. So what, what you do with your customer experience, that depends on your organizational DNA. It depends on your time. It depends on your financial resources. It depends on your capacity. It depends on your competitor situation. It depends on a lot of, lot of things. And so you analyze those five or six or seven areas, and then you build a strategy out from that rather than just jumping straight in, into the techniques. And that at the front line, very few organizations are doing very much with their frontline staff apart from the initial induction period. And that's, that's nobody's fault. That's a function of the industry. So it was a report that we put out at the, uh, in the autumn of 2023, we did an age of future report looking at the role of the agent and the advisor over the next sort of three to five years. And something that came out of that, 83% of people leave the industry altogether within three years. That's all out. So eight and a half people out of 10 that go into every organization will go and do something completely different within three years. I don't think there are any, there's another industry that's got that level of turnover. We should be ashamed of that. I think I don't really see that changing very much. Why would any organization sign off on a big program of training and development when they know that 80 or 90% of the people, let alone be in their organization in two or three years, not even going to be in the industry in two or three years. And so that's something that we've looked at at the foundation about becoming an apprenticeship provider, but it would be commercial suicide for any organization to go down that route because not only have you got that 80, 80 to 90% industry attrition in three years, the funding and the apprenticeship program is only 15 or 1800 pounds per person over two or three years. And you've got 90% attrition to factor into that. It just, just doesn't, doesn't stack up. And, and until or unless that changes, nothing's going to change it. Hearing it put in those terms, that's quite a radical thing to hear. I guess the natural question to follow that up with is what do we do about that? And my, my initial internal thought is if we had an environment whereby culturally customer experience was genuinely and properly on the front foot in the majority of conversations, that would then breed a culture of customer experience focus. Is that what needs to happen? That is the holy grail. And there are some organizations that do achieve that. So you look at Octopus Energy, for example, a sector that is riddled and rife with service issues, with demand issues, with capacity issues, with training resourcing issues. And yet they have, from the very top, from the very start, said, we are going to put customer service and customer experience front and center of everything we do throughout the organization. And they are now something like the fourth or fifth biggest utilities provider. Now, that's a lot easier to do when you're a startup, a lot easier to do when you're a startup because you're not trying to design out legacy. And that's legacy systems, it's legacy processes, it's legacy people. And so it's a lot easier to do when you're, when, when you're, when you're a new entrant. That's not easy for every organization to do. It can be done, but it, it has to come from the top. And that is another challenge that a lot of organizations have got is that I can't name a single chief executive 
in a FTSE 500 business that comes from a customer service background. Most of them will come from a finance background. Few will come from a people background. A few will come from a marketing background. A few will come from a tech background. Most of them are former finance directors. Just to circle back a little then to, to, to something that you mentioned earlier on, and that was around, you know, when you're a startup business, it's easier to set the framework when you're at that point. To, to flip this slightly, you highlight three key components that, that need to be involved in a CX strategy to encourage its best success. And those namely are board buy-in, investment, and thinking customer outwards. Can you expand on those and how you concluded that those are the critical components to include? Just because obviously this will be part of a conversation for existing businesses, as well as setting the framework for new businesses who are building. Firstly, you can read much more about that in my book, which you touched on earlier on. That's all, all covered. It's born out of experience. It's born out of the number of very, very large organizations where I've worked in senior customer-facing roles. And it's born out of working in those organizations and where I've seen it go wrong. You can't do this on your own without board buy-in because you can't do this without budget. And you can't do this without recognizing and celebrating success. And you can't do it without the time and space to do that. So you, you can't do it on the QT. You can't, you can't hide it. So you have to have board buying to do that. You have to have a broad strategy. And again, come back to start with the why and the what before we get into the how. What's the strategic imperative to having great customer service? In some organizations, you don't have to have great customer service. It doesn't have to be a wow. So. When I got to Stagecoach five years ago, or summer of 2018, we were running 40 million customer journeys a year. 39.9 million of those customer journeys. Okay, it's just fine. Get on the bus, pay your ticket, take a seat, get to where you on the beam, reasonably on time, and get off. Doesn't have to be a wow. 99.9% .9 of those journeys, okay, was just fine. There, you've got, and I didn't touch the contact center in that role at all, and, and yet we won awards for, for what we did. It was all about the culture. It was all about management behavior, depot culture, recognizing that the moment of truth in that business was the interaction between the customer and the driver when the customer gets on the bus. We focused on, on that. In utilities, I did a, my MBA thesis on the causes of churn in utilities, and this was going back to 2010. And particularly around broadband, particularly in gas and electric, there's no such thing as customer loyalty. Everything was bought on price. Everything was bought on price. So you look at car insurance now, no such thing as customer loyalty on, on price. It's all price driven. It's all through comparison websites. You don't even, most organizations don't even know who their customer is until they've bought a policy. They won't even talk to their customer until there's a claim. So why would you bother? developing a proactive customer experience strategy. You don't need to in that sector. What you do in that sector is make sure that when something does go wrong, when there's a, a crash and accident, that your processes are swift, efficient, and robust. And that's when the corrective action comes in. So there are some organizations where you need a wow customer service. You know, if you're running a boutique in, in Dubai, it's all about great customer service. But if you're running a utilities company, there's no point. So Again, I, I don't agree with this evangelical approach of some in our industry that it has to be customer experience at any cost. It's never customer service at any cost. Good service to good customers. 
you've got to look at the why. Why is this important to your organization strategically? Is it going to drive growth? Is it going to cut costs? Is it going to drive customer loyalty? Look at all those before you even think about tools. You've hit on some really interesting points there, particularly around what you were saying around those moments of truth identifying those moments of truth and then making those into actionable, real, significantly impactful moments of truth. And that's where the value is. And it doesn't have to be this seismic shift to delighting every single customer that you have. And you can also hone that down into, so, you know, look, looking back probably maybe even 20 years ago when, when I was at Sainsbury's and we were looking at a customer improvement strategy on the, on the business division that I was running, we tried to incrementally improve every aspect of the customer journey. So we tried to improve that bit 10%, that bit 5%, that bit 5%. And actually now the thinking is much more actually just improve one or two key moments of truth areas in your business, get that right. And that can probably take away 50% of your demand by getting, getting those one, two or three areas absolutely nailed. And then you can go back and tidy up the rest later on. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I have to mention your, your book, Definitely CX, that covers just about every aspect of the customer experience. Um, to quote, it helps you design a stress-tested CX strategy that your board will love and deliver extraordinary customer value. I'm going to ask this question in two parts. Like, why did you decide to write this? And secondarily, how did you find the writing process? What did that really bring forward that you maybe weren't consciously aware of before you started writing? The reason why I wrote it was, if you would excuse my language, to cut through some of the bullshit. And we've all seen a lot of CX books and a lot of CX practitioners really to cut through the CX influencer bullshit. And it's something that frustrates many people in this industry, not just me. That there, are, there is a section of our industry that talks evangelically about customer experience, and yet they've never stepped foot in, in a customer service operation or a contact center in their lives and wouldn't last half a day in doing so. I wanted something that was very, very grounded in reality, in day-to-day -day delivery, as well as the strategy, but day-to-day -day delivery. And also where it ended up going through the writing process, it became a playbook. It become a bit of a reference book. So it's designed that you don't have to read the whole book to get to the answer at the end. You can dip in on any page and it will give you a section on customer effort score. It will give you a section on ideation. It will give you a section on prototyping and very much have it as a drop in, drop out reference book, as well as the, the first part of it about how you actually put that strategy together. And again, very much about the why and the what in part one, before you get into the how on the nuts and bolts in, in, in part two. And in terms of writing the book then, did you find yourself making any perhaps revelations that had only been in kind of a subconscious level that as you wrote it, you're like, oh, crikey, that it, it, one of the things that I've always remembered is that some things you don't realize or don't realize you know until you try and teach someone else. And that's when certain things crystallize. Did you have any of those sorts of moments? The balance bulk of the book was a brain dump. The bit that took a bit of time and I was challenged by our publisher was the very, very first part of the book. And they said to me, you've got to define who it's for. And I've had a conversation with a, with a client, funnily enough, literally that week. Um, and that's the opening part of the book. And it's really designed for 
the accidental CX manager, someone that where CX has been landed on them, where it's not their natural skill set. It's not designed for people like us that have been in CX for 20 years who even know all the know all the methodologies or got their own methodologies and have got their own battle scars and all that. It's designed for someone that CX as a sector has been landed on them or the contact center has been landed on them because everyone thinks it's easy to run a call center until they actually step into it and find out how hard it is. So it's very much designed for the accidental CX manager just to, just to help them on their way and give them a guide that they can drop into. And that was the challenging bit. That's the bit that took longer than the rest of the book put together was actually just scoping all that out and, and defining who it's for and who, and actually who it's not for. Excellent. No, thank you for that. I didn't even get through like some of the questions that I wanted to get to because we've ended up kind of exploring so much of. Maybe we'll do a part two. It would be great to do a part two. I'd love to, but unfortunately we have run out of time. However, I would highly recommend having a look at Definitely CX uh, by Keith Gate. It is a fantastic read. Very, very insightful. Um, Keith, it's been a pleasure speaking to you today. Hopefully I get the chance to talk to you again. And yeah, thank you ever so much for your time today. Thank you for having me on, Sean. It's been an absolute pleasure. Talk Time is brought to you by Max Contact. To find out more about Max Contact and how our customer engagement software can help you and your teams provide smarter customer experiences, visit maxcontact.com and book your personalized demo today. Be sure to search Talk Time with Max Contact in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. And leave us a positive rating to help other like-minded individuals join the conversation. Finally, before you go, never miss a future episode by clicking the subscribe button and turning on notifications. On behalf of the team here at Max Contact, thanks for listening.